You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. The dead are never truly gone. We remember them in all sorts of ways. Today, we have the convenience of cameras in our pockets that can store hours of video footage and thousands of photographs so we never forget. Before we had such luxuries, though, the dead were commemorated using other methods. A widow might have kept some of her late husband's hair in a locket around her neck. Death masks were also a popular way to preserve someone's visage by making a cast of their face using wax or plaster. In fact, wax was the preferred medium for Marie Grossoltz, who made death masks of some of the French Revolution's most famous casualties. And it was pretty easy for her, too, since she only needed their heads. Marie was born in 1761 in Strasbourg, France. She never knew her father. He was killed in battle during the Seven Years' War, two months before she was born. Six years later, her mother uprooted the family and whisked them all off to Switzerland. Marie's mother had found work as a housekeeper in the home of a noted doctor, Philippe Cursuis, who immediately took a shine to the young girl. Under his tutelage, Marie learned how to work with wax, molding and shaping it to her will. She even accompanied Philippe to Paris, where she lived for much of her life thereafter. In 1777, Marie demonstrated all she had learned in her first solo venture, a wax sculpture of French philosopher Voltaire. One year later, the student had become the teacher, She traveled to Versailles to teach art to a single student, King Louis XVI's sister, Elizabeth. After that, Marie was invited to live at the palace. For roughly a decade, she sat in on private conversations among the royals, building their trust and becoming a kind of confidant to them. She had begun her time as an educator, but wound up making some important friends along the way. Unfortunately, nothing good lasts forever. The political climate of the time was dangerous for someone in Marie's shoes. You might even say it was revolting. Thousands of French citizens were about to rise up, and they were not going to let the art teacher for the aristocracy get away. Marie left Versailles the night before the start of the French Revolution, and fled back to Paris to hide with her mother and Philippe. A handful of years later, however, the revolution caught up with them. All three were hauled away to La Force prison, accused of being royal sympathizers. Marie's hair was even shaved off in preparation for her beheading. Luckily for her, Philippe was able to get her released with the help of an influential friend. But instead of escaping, Marie decided to stick around, putting her talents to work by making death masks of famous royals, including her former boss, Louis XVI, and Marie Antoinette. Philippe died the following year, in 1794, and left his former student with the wax figures he'd created over the course of his life. As she got older, Marie settled down. She got married and had three children, but continued to pursue her passion. 
she was able to get her wax portraits exhibited in London in 1802. They weren't exactly a hit, but that didn't stop her from trying in other parts of England. She toured the country for over 30 years, setting up temporary showcases where visitors could gawk at the lifelike figures of people who had died long ago. It wasn't until the early 1830s when Marie finally found a permanent home for her work on London's Baker Street. It was a whole floor of the Baker Street Bazaar, and one of its highlights was what one magazine called the Chamber of Horrors. That section of the exhibit featured the figures she had done of the French Revolution's victims. Today, the chamber has come to hold wax representations of some of the most notorious people to ever walk the earth, including Adolf Hitler, Genghis Khan, and Vlad the Impaler. Over the years, many of Marie's statues were lost. Some melted in a fire, while others were destroyed during World War II. But because she had the foresight to make molds of them, they were easily recreated and duplicated. Marie died in 1850, but her work lives on all around the world, in places like London, Hong Kong, Washington, D.C., New York City, and Las Vegas, to name a few. New figures are being added to her exhibits each year as well, including movie stars and politicians. And those who want to see the lasting wax legacy of Madame Marie Grossholz need only to look for the sign outside bearing her married name, Madame Tussaud. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next-day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Nobody wants to work on their day off. The last thing anyone wants is to get an email from their boss when they're supposed to be relaxing, or a call about an urgent crisis during their vacation. Judith had scheduled some time off in 1969. Luckily, she didn't have to come back into the office since she'd finished her work ahead of time. And a good thing, too. Otherwise, the astronauts of the Apollo 13 mission would have been in serious trouble. Judith was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1933. Growing up, she became known for two things— her ballet dancing, and her stellar math skills. She not only tutored her classmates in math, she also earned a little money on the side by doing their homework for them. She was so skilled, in fact, that Brooklyn College offered her a full scholarship to pursue mathematics. But once she got there, she realized her true passion was in engineering. She switched majors, splitting her time between school and dancing in New York's Metropolitan Opera Ballet Company. But in 1952, she left the East Coast and Brooklyn College for a new life, and a new engineering career in California. Her skills had earned her a position at North American Aviation, the birthplace of the P-51 Mustang fighter plane and the B-25 Mitchell bomber. When she wasn't designing aircraft components, though, Judith continued to pursue her bachelor's degree at USC. She also started building systems and parts for the United States' budding space program. Judith Cohen graduated in 1957 and moved on from North American Aviation to a new aerospace company. Space Technologies Laboratories was working on several interesting projects, one of which she would play an integral part in some years later. They were developing a capsule that was going to be launched into space and landed safely on the moon. It was part of a new initiative called the Apollo Program. Judith spent the next several years working on specific aspects of Apollo, including the lunar module's abort guidance system. The abort guidance system allowed the astronauts to abort a lunar landing if the module's primary guidance system malfunctioned, which is exactly what happened during the Apollo 13 mission. On April 11th of 1970, Jim Lovell and his crew were launched into orbit from Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The original plan had been to land on the moon, but one of the oxygen tanks exploded two days into the mission, and contact with the lunar surface could not be made. Communications dropped out for almost two seconds, a lifetime if you're stranded in a cramped box hurtling through space. As electrical malfunctions flickered, it was clear there was no way Lovell and his men were going to reach the moon. The problem now was in getting home. With help from Mission Control back in Houston, the crew devised a new way to return to Earth by looping around the moon. At the right time, they would fire up the module's engines and slingshot the vessel back to Earth. A critical part of the plan was in executing a direct abort of the landing procedure. Otherwise, the module would have descended to the moon's surface and the crew would have died there. Thanks to Judith Cohen and her work on the abort guidance system, Lovell and his team were able to avoid the lunar detour and make it home. Cohen took her job and her responsibilities very seriously. So seriously, in fact, that she even worked while she was giving birth one year earlier. In August of 1969, Judith went into labor while working on a difficult problem at the office, presumably related to the abort guidance system. Rather than leave it unsolved, though, she printed it out 
and took it with her to the hospital. After several hours of labor, she called the office and let her boss know that she had solved the problem. Oh, and she had also just given birth to a little boy who would eventually grow up to become a world-famous actor and musician. None other than Jack Black. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.